Hello and welcome to this sector commentary conversation with the Care Leaders Network. My name's Simon Parker. I'm the founder and chief executive. Today, I'm welcomed by some amazing panelists and we're here to talk about the CQC's new inspection approach. Uh, and we're gonna be a, making a comparison, uh, the old inspection approach versus the new inspection approach. Obviously, there's uh, there's an awful lot of questions at the moment, probably more questions than answers as it stands at the uh, at the moment. This is going to be a bit of a an ongoing topic of conversation within the Care Leaders Network. So really keen to get into the details, find out what do we know, what are we expecting, and um, uh, and how, do, how, how are we expecting all of it to, uh, to, to, to play out. So um, I'd like to take a moment just to, to welcome my guests. So, uh, so Caroline, if you'd like to, to go first, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, Simon. Yeah, I'm Caroline Southgate. I set up a home care company about 11 years ago. I'm a physiotherapist by background, which is unusual in the home care sector, actually. And uh, But it works very well as a career choice. Uh, and I've just finished a nice fellowship uh, looking at, particularly looking at the social care things that NICE do, which has been quite useful uh, to run such a business. And we have an outstanding rating at Doris Jones. So we're quite happy with that. So that's me. Thank you. Amazing. Great to, uh, great to see you. Hi, Rav. Hi. Hi, Simon. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Rav Sekhon. I'm the Operations Director for Balanced Care. We are a supported living provider based in the northwest of England. Um, I've been in the sector now for about 16 years. And perhaps like yourself, Caroline, I've got a background in uh, psychotherapy, which has uh, kind of brought me into this role now. So similar therapies, I guess, physiotherapy, psychotherapy. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at today. And we are currently operating service of good racing, which we're very proud of, having gone through a journey of going from uh, inadequate to getting where we are today. Thank you. Great stuff. Thank you, Rob. And Anthony. Uh, good morning. My name is Anthony Hall. I'm the Director of Insights, Assurance and Governance at HC1, and also its nominated individual. And uh, HC1 is a very large corporate provider of adult social care to around 15,000 residents across the England, Scotland and Wales. Um, and I guess the thing that I can bring to this conversation is that I spent 10 years of my career at CQC, um, uh, 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 finally as one of its head of inspections uh, and left CQC in, in June 2020 to join HC1. So very much looking to the, forward to this conversation. Brilliant. I mean, thank you, everyone, for for, for sharing uh, a little bit about your yourselves. Obviously, everyone's coming at this from a from a slightly diff different direction, which was very much my intention when I when I set the panel discussion up to get different perspectives from different subsectors of social care. I think is uh, is great, and we've got different sizes, shapes, corner of the country, all of that type of stuff as uh, as well. So hopefully that will uh, add to a really really diverse and interesting conversation for the audience. So. Um, Let's let's jump jump straight in, uh, Anthony. I guess with your, your with your background at the CQC, I'd like to ask you this particular question. Um, so, why are we at a stage where the CQC are in, uh, implementing a new approach to their inspections? Okay, this is a really interesting question, Simon. I think if we just just step back a few moments. So, I think you know when I first joined CQC back in 2011, I think it was, um, we were we were inspecting against a, a very a compliance-based framework. You're either compliant or non-compliant against a set of regulations, very similar to how the care inspector in Wales still operates. Um, and then when David Bean came and took over CQC in sort of uh, late 2012, there was very much a driver about how do you overlay a quality improvement framework on top of that, that that strove to drive improvement in services not just compliant against a set of fundamental standards and then that's when ratings were brought in 
And then the next part of the journey was to then expand CQC's remit across the whole of secondary care, the vast majority of primary care and a significant chunk of independent health. And so what you saw in, the, in that next set of period of time was that great big volume of exercise around inspecting and creating this benchmark across you know, many, many thousands of services of, of different types. And then I think what you found is as the regulatory framework uh, developed, you got into the frequency of, of you know, requires improvement was inspected within a year, uh, inadequate inspected within six months and so forth. And I think, I think it became very clear in CQC that that was unsustainable. And, and I think that all of us started to experience that frequency uh, you know, time frame slipping uh, because it just wasn't sustainable on that volume. And I think there were a couple of other developments along the same time was that, you know, as the, the care in a place notion started to come together around integrated care was, well, how does CQC's remit fit across a new sort of developing, uh, uh, you know, a, a way of commissioning care and delivering care. And so that led, I think, to a number of conversations about, well, if CQC needs to understand how people, whether it's a patient or a resident or whatever, are moving between services within a system, how does the regulatory framework develop to, to enable it to do that? I think alongside that as well is when CQC's new chief executive came in following the retirement of David Behan, there was very much a signal towards a new intelligence driven approach. Part of that, I think, was to cope with the capacity issues um, of delivering an inspection framework. But part of that is also to recognise CQC's sort of part of CQC's remit is to give the general public a, a fairly accurate view of their service at any moment in time. And the, the previous inspection framework didn't lend itself to that because it was a snapshot once a year or once every two, three years. So I think there was a move, how can we use intelligence to, to really help us create an agile way of rating a diff, you know, uh, without needing to go and do a physical site visit and therefore give services a more accurate view of their regulatory position but also give the general public a more accurate view about the state of that service to enable choice uh, and, and everything else. So I think, I think that's where we've come together. And I think that more and more, I know that CQC, when I was there in the latter part of my career at CQC, we were doing work with pilot integrated care systems and providers at scale to look at how you actually create a, a, an inspection framework which you know tracked people's journey across the system and I think that's what's led to single you know, inspection framework assessment frameworks uh, multidisciplinary teams is, is to try and create that ability to do that so I think that's why we're at where we are got you that's uh, that's great um caroline rab i guess anything to to add in relation to uh to anthony's uh, opening point around the uh the the kind of where we're at uh relevant to the cqc's change in their uh their approach i think yeah just to connect what anthony was saying really um that all makes sense i think to to specifically reference the last couple of years we've been going through the the pandemic of course and i think that's played a role in how the CQC have changed have changed their approach. It's also almost been 
demanded that they do in some ways because the pandemic has perhaps accelerated that change the whole sector to become more savvy with the digital aspect of it and you mentioned remote monitoring which I know we'll be talking about um, because um, many providers throughout the pandemic weren't able to be assessed uh, inspected sorry by the CQC they're on hold for the most part because they were firefighting uh, specifically with high risk settings settings that weren't going as planned and they had to focus on them so I think that was frustrating for many providers because they couldn't get a new rating of wanting to improve. Um, so this approach, I think, also lines up with that and saying that, okay, well, we can monitor more frequently and we're going to do that remotely to kind of help that forwards. Um, so that's something I see almost as a product as well from the pandemic in terms of the new approach that we're being exposed to. Sure, that makes that makes sense, Caroline. What's yeah, your? I think it's the same. I, I I don't. I think that's a pretty comprehensive, you know, insight into why they might be where they are and where we are as a as a set as all these different sectors. The 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 health and social care sector is so vast, isn't it? That I think to have one organisation try to be fair and proportional in the way it inspects every different type of inspector is a really tall order. Um, and I and I I did an inspection job at the at the beginning of having a care company just as a way of having an insight into it and it's it's really difficult to come up with the right model isn't it so hopefully the by the end of this the cqc might be listening to us <laughs> but and hopefully they have done some co-production of this of this um new approach because otherwise they're going to find there are some pe people feeling very bruised by perhaps the, the relationships in the past. So I, I'm hoping that it might lead to some more positive relationships, but they've got, they've got quite a lot of work to do, haven't they? So. Mm -hmm. It certainly seems that that's the, that's the case. Um, Caroline, what's your experience been like of the regulatory landscape over the last couple of years? I know it's, it's, it sounds like it's quite consistent with, uh, with RAB, but any particular insights that you can draw upon worth, uh, worth sharing in today's conversation? The interesting thing about that question is that the last couple of years have been unique in the history of man, haven't they, really? You know, it's very different in any, everybody's job. I think my own, and I think a lot of people, when I talk to lots of people on different networks of particularly home care and care homes, is that there's a, there's a very big sense of them and us. We were still there on the front line doing the job and the CQC was nowhere to be seen from a, from a practical point of view. So... They may not like to hear that, but as an outstanding provider and a good provider, and we we haven't seen we haven't seen them, so it's very difficult to judge how the data and we'll get to that I'm sure how the uploading of data in a in a in an area which is full of micro businesses. I mean, Anthony's business is is big, but the vast majority of social care providers are minute. You know, they're one. I think the most skills for care data will show you but I think it's something like 50 or 60 percent of the provision of social care is done by people with less than 10 employees um which means that the that the landscape is really complex um and I suppose my experience the last couple of years is that the CQC haven't offered us very much value for money our our fees to them has gone up um, and as controversial as it might as it might be on a on a thing to put this out in public is that I I think we are all waiting waiting for perhaps a better service for the money um and and i know they're up against it but there is a point where i think it's very what's coming is is a result of negative 
input and certainly so far what I've seen in terms of how the CQC have presented their new framework is very much about they talk constantly in language of enforcement and protection and and so they're going towards quite probably quite rightly because of the volume of work they're going towards the 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 people that might be breaking the safety elements of that in order to try and make sure the public are safe I personally I'm not sure that that's going to that that's going to pay off because I think if you want to improve quality, you've got to also deal with the people who are really working very hard to improve their quality. So right at the moment, I'm a bit, I'm a bit out in the cold when it comes to the CQC. I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like they're part of my business, or, or particularly something to be feared, unless I do something terrible. But as an outstanding provider, I want to, I, I want to better prove I'm still outstanding. I want to better prove and show them all the amazing innovative things that we've done to improve. And I'm not entirely sure that what's coming, it means they're going to come anywhere near us. Having gone digital with our care planning, electronic learning, and lots of software, which lots of people haven't done, it's going to make it easier for a provider who's done digital to be able to go, okay, here's some KPI, here's some reports, here's some spreadsheets, here's some graphs that show you what we're up to, and we're we're ready for that. But the but the industry isn't necessarily ready for that. That um, on the whole, and I think when it comes to how are we going to prove that we've done the right thing with data, we're nowhere near it. We're nowhere near it. So I, I think their ambition to inspect us is based on some rather broken relationships at the moment or some absent relationships. I don't, I've never met my inspector. The one who inspected us to the year in 2019 is no longer our inspector and there's been no physical verbal contact from them since. And I don't think that's unusual. So the last couple of years have been a bit it's a bit of a wasteland really i'm sure they were very focused on infection control in places where it was needed but that's not the, that's not the only picture of compliance with the with the care with the care acts and all the legal frameworks um they've got a lot of work to do i think yeah thank you um Anthony, tell me what's your what's your view on that? I, I guess there's probably with some of our previous conversations, there's probably quite a lot of similarities in uh, in in your view around how you've experienced the, the the CQC over the last couple of years as well. Yeah, I mean, as Caroline said, I mean, I think clearly during the pandemic, you know, you know, we didn't see a lot of activity from CQC, and other than. You know, in sort of midway through the introduction of a, uh, you know, an infection control kind of assessment. Um, and and that was very different to what we experienced, for example, in Scotland, where we the regulator didn't stop its inspection activity. And I think that's a, an interesting reflection for me, because um, I think going to Caroline's point about the relationships and it was fundamentally you want to work with your regulator to improve people's care. And that's what we're all, you know, fundamentally, everybody at CQC wants that. Uh, and there's different approaches to how you get to that point. But I think in Scotland, for example, we were able to continue to work with the care inspectorate in, in a, in a, through a regulatory framework to improve care. I think during the pandemic, those relationships sort of, uh, you know, Carolyn said, they broke down in, in, in a considerable way. And, and, and because the inspection activity stopped and, and, and some of the monitoring activity that was introduced was really fairly vague, didn't really help us drive quality forwards and then I think we're now in a situation where 
the inspection activity has ramped up very, very significantly, you know, uh, and 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 now the enforcement approach is quite aggressive. So so I would argue that the enforcement that's taking place now against some services is completely disproportionate. And two years ago, it wouldn't have been enforcement. It would have been a different way of driving people's care forward. And I think that's part of the CQC have taken that step back during the pandemic. They now have a view that the, the services have slipped significantly because of the pandemic. And their role is, Caroline said, is to protect people's safety. But I think because we've lost that traction of working together and those relationships with local inspection teams that Caroline was referencing, we've lost that traction and we've now ended up in, a, in an aggressive enforcement model. So it's about, for me, as we move forward, it's about building those relationships back and getting us back to that. Got you. And Rav, I guess, uh, I, 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 looping back on, on that one, anything else to, to, to add? Um, yeah, um, I agree with the comments made, um, but you know, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I kind of sympathise with the CQC to a degree uh, in terms of maybe trying to get through the last couple of years and the sheer, I assume, the sheer workload that they must have had to endure to kind of keep people safe and probably weren't able to, to be honest, as many care providers weren't. Um, so I totally agree. They've got a lot of work to do to, to kind of implement this new approach. Um, um, but yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I'm connecting with the challenge, I suppose, over the last two years and where they were, how it's been and where we're trying to get to. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get there. I guess that's part of it as well, isn't it? Because I think the um, you, you'd like to be able to think that the um, the approach that they're looking to try and take, they have good reason to want to head in that direction. Ultimately, the, the goal will be uh, a positive one. Uh, the outcome of the kind of the transition process from one to the other will be a will be a transition. Um, but mm -hmm. I guess kind of what what happens in the in in the meantime, and, and will care providers suffer as a as a consequence? I guess that's probably maybe part of the worry that's that, that's happening at the at the moment. Um, yeah. uh, and I guess this, this is just something that um, only time will tell in that respect. You know, we, we're going to have to we're going to have to as a sector we're going to have to do our best to work with the with the CQC to try and try and rebuild some of those those relationships. And you know, broadly speaking, I think most people are pro-regulator i think everyone agrees with the fact that the, the the regulator plays an important part of the part of the sector um but like anything when you've got two different organizations who are ultimately looking to achieve the same goal um there needs to be collaboration and i feel like that maybe that's been the kind of the thing that's been lacking to to a certain extent um mm -hmm. one one of the things that we we, we said we'd make sure that we touch upon um, is uh, around the concept of remote monitoring. Of course, this is something that, as we become a more digital sector, becomes uh, increasingly mm. common because people will have access to data and graphs and analytics and all of that type of stuff that should be able to give that that level of, I guess, transparency that the CQC are looking for. Um, how do you feel about the, the the concept of remote monitoring, Rav, and uh, relevancy to, to transparency of information? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting development. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, Caroline touched upon it earlier, and the requirement as well now for uh, digital transformation for care providers for the whole sector really to to integrate with digital and become more accustomed to using it on a day to day basis. Because I think this particular aspect of the new regulatory approach requires that we are connecting with digital, we're capturing the data, 
whatever that data looks like, that's yet to be determined, but we're capturing it in an effective way that can be shared with the CQC or external parties. Um, and for me, that's exciting in a way because I'm a big advocate of tech and I enjoy that. Um, but equally, I see that as a big challenge for many care providers because for most, for most, I imagine that would be, you know, new territory and something new to learn, invest in, understand. Um, so I think that comes with challenge, but in terms of the actual remote monitoring aspect of the CQC's approach, <clears throat> there's pros and cons. Um, uh, one pro I see is it allows the CQC to be more responsive when monitoring providers. Um, so the data that they receive will determine uh, if they're satisfied with from what I understand so far from what they've shared, the data they receive will determine whether the rating is accurate <clears throat> and doesn't need to be changed or it could alternatively prompt an, uh, an inspection, focusing on specific areas of that service. Um, in a sense, I see that as a good thing because it provides providers with assurance. Um, for example, over the last three or four months, we've been receiving an email from the CQC to say, we're satisfied with the data received. Um, there'll be no change to your rating. And that's a new thing. You know, We're getting a monthly update from the CQC to say, yeah, everything's good. Whereas perhaps in the past, we were getting inspected every year or every other year, and only then would we know, oh yeah, they're happy with what we're doing, we're cool. Um, so it's it's a different approach and it provides a more responsive approach, which I think is good to be able to have that on a more regular basis. Um, <clears throat> one pitfall of that though, I think is, um, well, number one, we don't actually know the data that they're gonna be reviewing, I mean, We've got the CQC notifications that we share. That's the only actual data we share with them at the moment. Um, so we, we do need to understand what data will be monitored. And now that we're going for a more collaborative approach, not only with the provider, but maybe the local authority um, and other health bodies that we work with, et cetera, perhaps they're taking data from them as well. And that's gonna to contribute towards the report, but that's unclear at this stage. So it'd be good to know that kind of thing. Um, but from a provider perspective, I think that the pitfall is um, because remote monitoring is taking place and full inspections are no more, um, it's pretty much focusing on specific areas of risk when they come to inspect. I think it leaves it open to either potential manipulation or um, a risk of incompetence from providers where they aren't sharing the data effectively with the CQC or other parties. And because they aren't sharing that data as expected, there could be parts of that service that are perhaps not being um, exposed to the CQC or being shared with the CQC. And by that, then it might be that, you know, the service is performing well in certain areas, but not in other areas. And because of the way the data is being shared, that won't be captured, that, that won't be uh, made aware of to the CQC. So I'm kind of highlighting a limitation, I suppose, of Okay, it's good in a sense, but there will be limitations because of the the approach that's being adopted. I guess that's a really interesting and an, an important point with all of this, in as much as the fact that the the quality of the data and the specific data that's been there needs to be consistency in in, in that respect. Uh, well, I guess consistently to, to a certain extent, but then maybe slightly different data for slightly different services. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is some of the ambiguity that we're all experiencing at the moment, in as much as the fact that it's it's 
it's not clear at the moment exactly how that's gonna gonna play out. I think the concept's good. I think the um, uh, the, the the intent again is a, is a, is a good thing broadly speaking. Um, what kind of happens as they iron out the the creases in there in how it all comes to uh, comes together. So, um, Caroline Anthony, interested to to hear your view on uh, on on uh, what Rav shared. I would I would like to know way more than what I've seen from the CQC's uh, presentation so far about what's expected of the of the provider. So I made lots of notes last week on their on their webinar, as you can imagine. Um, and they talk about setting a timetable, collecting evidence, including inspection, reviewing and scoring and publishing as a timescale for them to come towards us. But they what they absolutely haven't said is how much work it's going to take us to deliver what they want from us. And given how busy we are, um, that PIR is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. It takes hours and hours and hours of time to fill the PIR in. They then change it year on year. So you don't quite know what's coming. So the data that they already gather, I have never had a CQC inspector, inspector come and bear reference to the PIR. Oh, I see you've written this, or I've seen you've written that. They literally, it's almost like it doesn't exist. So, but it's taken days to fill it in sometimes, all those statements, you know, 500 word statements once a year. So they're talking about observing every three years um, and listening to people's experience once a year and uh, looking at staff and leadership every two years and uh, partners, outcomes and processes, annual data. But there's absolutely no, no examples of what that might look like. So you're right, if you're gonna benchmark something or put it in a framework, how on earth are you gonna compare like for like is very is very unclear. And I think it's worrying that, you know, our livelihood and the people that we employ and the people that we look after depend on so much. People do look at CQC ratings to decide whether they choose to use your business or not. Um, and people who've got big contracts, you know, they can pull those big contracts, local authorities, based on a on a dipping of a rating. And yet, at the moment, we have absolutely no concept of how much time. Do, does most small businesses will not be employing a compliance officer who is gathering that data? But that might end up being a role that needs to be considered in your business. And if you're creating a business plan you're going to have to cost that in. And I, I think there's a bit too much. And the, the timescale is spring 23. So how can we, as a, a the business end of trying to run these businesses is, is a big deal. You know, the, the profit margins and the bottom line are what, are what drive innovation and are what improves people's paying conditions. And to impose a very big demand for data on us without telling us what that might be is risky because some businesses won't survive. Um, so I, th I think it's a really serious business and it's not it's not a flippant remark to say that you're going to start gathering data. Um, uh, you need to be very specific and I don't think they've been specific enough to be honest. And do we think, um, uh, is it because they're not sure what they need yet, or um, I guess interested to hear people's views on uh, kind of why we're at, at that kind of juncture, if you if you like. I mean, if I just come in on there, Simon, because because you know you and I have talked about this in the past. I think that I think this is a real challenge for CQC in the adult social care arena because it, you know if you're if you're walking in to do this this remote monitoring or any inspection activity in primary and secondary care you've got a very different scenario you've got more data than you know what to do with 
and because of the statutory requirements to report through through various organizations so in adult social care there's always been this dearth of data because it's effectively based around the notifications that we submit to to cqc or information that comes from local stakeholders uh, you know local authorities or health watch or uh, safeguarding boards and so forth so so I think the challenge that I've been posing to CQC over the last few months has been well what what is this how is this data going to construct itself that provides the context for how we work so every single operator in the country whatever their size will have more data than the CQC will ever have and and because we're not statutory obliged to share it you know cqc haven't got it so so my challenge is how do you arrive at a data set that will allow you to have a real holistic contextual view about how an individual home or an individual company is operating and i think there's a lot of work to do with that and i i think that cqc haven't got that answer yet and and i think and then just to come back on something Ralph was talking about in terms of the remote monitoring bit i think just my my take on this is that the remote monitoring is based around risk effectively so this is ascertaining is this service compliant or good enough or safe enough for us not to have to physically inspect and we're satisfied and we we all get these emails uh, uh, you know uh, these homes are okay this month and we're not going to inspect kind of thing but actually you know, I sat in hours and hours of meetings in CQC when the ratings framework was developed and the ratings framework was developed to encourage providers to improve to outstanding. And so where does that fit into where whilst we can focus about negating risk and mitigating risk and, and, and preventing CQC coming for one or two years and, and then when they do come, they'll take a view of our home. But how does that link to the aspiration to actually drive the improvement of services from you know requires improvement to good and good to outstanding and and i think that's the danger that we're going to miss that trick and i think that as we move forward this model we're going to have to work really hard about how do we drive the improvement because only then are we driving improvements for the people who are actually living with us and that's got to be the only thing that matters it's an interesting one isn't it because there seems to be um a real transition that's happening in social care over the last few years to to be able to to to, to work from to, to transition from a mindset solely focused on compliance and to and to look to, to quality obviously Anthony that's something that you and I have spoken about great great depth and I'm sure Caroline and Rab we would have spoken about it at, at, at some point in our conversations as uh, as well it seems like the sector as a whole seems to be driving in the direction of uh, quality, which is which, which is great. And there's obviously lots of reasons why that that makes an awful lot of sense. I guess the 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 worry is is maybe that the the CQC are heading in the in the opposite direction. Um, and what implications are they get, that going to have? If um, I guess there could be tension in between those in between those two worlds as uh, as well. I think I I think you're right, Simon. I think the the other thing is that the the compliance is always a minimum standard. Um, and so it, I've heard several people actually on various various platforms saying that actually the word compliance in itself is a problem. If you ditch the word compliance in your organisation and turn it into quality, then then you suddenly you switch the language. And I think there's lots of businesses, lots of providers are doing exactly that. And and I think we're so far away from just jumping over the hoop of compliance that we 
we're more demanding than that of our services. You know, people who use our services want more than just the basic compliance standard. And I and the other point I would make is that having been an inspector where there's 50 inspectors in a team in a hospital is a massive, massive experience uh, of of years I mean, if you put you put a big hospital inspection team and you add up how many years of experience in every specialty that that team is and yet there's not one word of advice comes out of that organization now i know that's not their remit but if you lose the opportunity to have those conversations then because it's all data driven that remote monitoring becomes further and further and further away from the experienced inspector who comes from your sector who isn't supposed to give you advice I know I understand they're not supposed to give advice but what a waste you know you've got someone who's borderline compliant and all you want to say is if you did this this would this would help to do this and yet you've got a you've got an inspection regime even now which is saying I've seen that happen and it's bad and I haven't said a single word about how they might make it better what a waste I, don't, I think that's probably for another conversation another day. But the remote monitoring is certainly not going to go very far to improve that, in my opinion. I think it's a shame to be to, to even be able to say that the timescale is that they won't come and observe any more than once in three years. Seems seems a real shame, actually, because I think the inspectors themselves have vast experience. And yet we can't actually they can't actually help anyone do anything. They All they can do is draw a line and, and move move backwards, which seems a shame, but you know, we live to live with these things, don't we? But quality instead of compliance, much better language. One of the things that um, uh, I, I always think about in, when it comes to the kind of the quality uh, compliance conundrum, if you, uh, if you like, is the fact that compliance is finite. It's got like an upper maximum because you just have like a threshold that you're looking to try and achieve. Beautiful thing about quality is it's endless. You know, it's infinite. You can you can keep going with quality to the to the ends of the earth. And what an inspir inspirational way to get a, a team hyped hyped up about looking after the people that you're that you're caring for in whatever in whatever respect. It's like right, okay, we can we can just keep going with this. There's opportunities to be able to take our service forward to that to that next level and that next level. Which I I know which if I was to be working in an organisation, I I know where I'd like the focus to uh, to be from a from a fulfilment perspective, and of course for the people being looked after. It's just a in my mind it's a it's a it's a much better equation and i think we're probably all all on board with that in that respect so um so yeah so rab interested to hear from you obviously the the, the remote monitoring makes up a part of the, the the new inspection approach talk to me about the other elements of the new approach yeah sure um something new that's going to be implemented is a scoring system which resonates with what we were just discussing in a way about understanding where we are on a scale of improvement. Um, from what we understand so far, and the detail is yet to be shared again on this particular point, is that a scoring system will exist when a provider is inspected, um, and that's on a scale ranging from inadequate to outstanding, and there'll be some kind of measure in between, whether it's a percentage of zero to 100 or whatever that looks like, that's, that's uncertain at this moment. Um, and per group, maybe zero to 20 might be inadequate, 20 to 40 requires improvement, et cetera, until we get to 100. Um, I think that's an interesting development because it gives something tangible for providers to understand, oh, okay, we are, we're 40 and to get to good, we need to hit 50 or something like that. I think that can be helpful to measure progress or measure performance. 
And I'd, I'd like to think that, um, I think like Caroline said then, that maybe the CQC are providing guidance to expect to, uh, the CQC are providing guidance to providers to say, in order to progress and get your extra 10 points or whatever they're called, you need to do X, Y, and Z to help you get there. That would be so helpful. I think just have something tangible and clear direction because with the introduction of a scale, it's measurable, isn't it? We can actually see where we are. Whereas previously it was based on maybe that, that inspector's personal perception of the service, which is very subjective and often led to inconsistencies. Um, so with this too, I'm hoping it provides some accurate measure for us going forwards. Um, but I recognize the details yet to be ironed out with that one. It's an interesting one because that links back to what Caroline was saying around the feedback thing. Um, if, you, if you're not in a set of circumstances where you can get that get that feedback and to, to be able to make those kind of it's all about marginal gains, isn't it? It's about those one percent improvements that you can keep driving on a on a day by day basis. If there's no benchmark of what direction you need to be headed headed from, it's just a case of is objectively where we think that you that you are as it stands today. Um, it's useful to a point, but what what's the next next stage with that when back many people will know i used to run a management consultancy for the for the care sector and we used to do uh mock inspections we had all of the key lines of inquiry all all mapped out and we go into uh very granular detail um uh, around all of the all of the chloe's and the, the 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 reason why people really like those was because for every single line we'd include recommendations we'd, we'd we'd really scrutinize each one of those points just to be able to say right this is it's a cqc plus um uh, mock inspection plus type thing because we'd, we'd be really really clear and say right okay so here's the next things we put it in priority order all that type of stuff which i don't expect the cqc to be able to go and do that but we know the reason why people like buying that was because it was so practical and so pragmatic because people could take that way and go Okay, great. We know what we need to do, and, and, and it's just it's just part of the kind of the the, the services improvement plan to be able to, to to work from there. So, as I said, I, I, do I think it's going to be that uh, comprehensive? No, but if it could have a steer, I'm sure that would be extremely valuable for for people as well. Yeah, absolutely. The um the thing I would add is that it could be quite churlish to say that I I got outstanding, but I only got it for two areas, not all five, and when you've just got that you're very relieved to have it but you you still look at how much work it takes so the anomaly i think in the system which would be nice to see more objective because i think the criticism of subjective based around one inspector's opinion is is common but the work that it takes is for an inspector one individual inspector to get you through the outstanding they've come they've seen what you do they think this is outstanding. They've got evidence. The amount of evidence and the volume of paperwork and files that it takes to create that evidence is vast. But you've still got the problem where one individual has got to get that past the board and mm -hmm. they've got to work really hard to get you an outstanding rating. And I'm very grateful that the person who inspected us went that much. The number of extra phone calls. Can you provide me some evidence of this? I thought we were failing at one point. It was so many so many extra questions but that that was that one day snapshot thing and I think for the for the workload of the inspectors to be something that's a bit more measurable would be fairer wouldn't it I mean I don't I don't think that to get to a point of outstanding or to be in the realms of requiring improvement the workload for the inspector themselves to be different in itself is a problem because it immediately you start to go well if that inspector's not in the frame of mind to work mm -hmm. that hard on your behalf because they happen to see a load of evidence, you might not get your 
you might not get your rating. The ratings, the ratings are very, very subjective at the moment. I've read literally dozens and dozens of other people's outstanding um, yeah. uh, inspection reports. And I've seen one where they've been given outstanding um, more or less when you read it because they did a cafe for people with dementia and the inspector clearly liked this but we're actually regulated in home care for personal care what the hell has a cafe got to do with it i get it that it's a uh, it's a thing but had that inspector had more data the cafe on the day that she visited that happened to be people having a lovely time may may have been less of an impact and I, I think they've got to get to a point of objectivity in something that's very qualitative and the scientists in the qualitative world the psychotherapy world the, you know there are there are plenty of evidence bases that are around qualitative things and I, there is a there is a risk that they go way too quantitative in something that has a quality to it. So I can see, you know, people's experiences, staff and leaders' experiences is your quality statements. But the, to get that at volume is is going to it's going to take some doing, isn't it, to grab that stuff mm. um, and to make the inspector. Like you've got if you're running the CQC, you've surely got to make the inspector's job easier. Um, than it currently is to try and get get a balance of you know everybody along that scale. Simon, if I can just come in because I, I I get that point of view, but I, I've got a slightly different take of that because it, you know in the sense that I understand the benefits of of objectivity and scoring systems and all that kind of stuff, but you know you've got to be in the service. And you've got to see it, smell it and hear it. And it's so different. And I, you know, I, I grappled the last three or four my years running a very large inspection team at CQC. The biggest challenge I had from all providers was about consistency of judgment and this notion of subjectivity. But that's because you're trying to compare one service with another service. What you can't actually, just because somebody does something in a home that might be routine in another home, it's all about the outcome for the residents in that home that matters. And that's what you that leads you to an outstanding judgment is it's, it's not whether that is different to uh, what's going on in another home down the road. It has to be within that home and that specific location. And, and my real worry is, and I'm a big fan of data and intelligence, you know that, it's, it's in my remit, in my role. But my worry is that if you lose people going into those homes and seeing the actual impact and the experience of what people are experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis, you're going to lose it because quality is experience. It's linked to the person's experience on a, its quality of life, not quality based around intelligence and data that's an element but it can't you know my big concern is that we lose that and uh and I think if you talk to the majority of CQC inspectors that's what they will tell you is that they're fearful that if you don't go over the thresholds you don't see how people's quality of life and experience is in that setting then you base it around data sets and initiatives you know, you're going to end up with the same kind of model you have in secondary care, where we're measuring outputs and inputs, not the quality of life of people. And, and I think that's the experience. And then then that doesn't sit with the I and we statements that CQC are developing, because that's about people's experience, 
So, so, you know, we need to get that balance. So it can't be just crude data and intelligence. It can't be that you just do remote monitoring. It has to be, it has to be all of that together in an holistic view, you know. Great, thanks for thanks for that, Anthony. Um, I've, I've got a fairly direct question I'd like to uh, to ask. I'll ask Caroline first, and I'll ask everyone, uh, Anthony and Ravers uh, as well. But um, Caroline, tell me, do do you think the CQC's new approach is going to improve quality of care? I'm not actually sure that that's their intention at, at, at the top end of that quality um, spectrum. I think their intention is to try and reassure the public that people aren't going to die in the next pandemic you know i think they may have they may have focused very much on what went wrong and um, whether that's you know hospital they, you know they inspect the hospitals as much as they inspect the social care sector so that whole process i i'm i'm sitting on a fence <laughs> falling on the side of i'm not sure that they've got the manpower and the remit to truly push quality up. I think we are doing quality up. I think this, <clears throat> excuse me, I think this sector is determined to prove quality. And there are so many initiatives going on around uh, pay and conditions and uh, transforming the, the cost of care, the right cost of care, how we employ people, how we train people, professionalizing the workforce. And that's not coming from the CQC, that's coming from within the sector itself. And um, I can't speak for health, but certainly social care, I see a vast number of hugely passionate people still pushing through. And I think the CQC needs to have a huge amount of respect for where the industry of this sector is in order to then have an impact. Right now, I'm not convinced that they will have an impact on quality because I don't think that if you're a quality provider, they're necessarily coming back to look at you again and, and, and showcase what you do if you compare the work that I was doing with nice nice was interesting from a social care point of view because I was able to get inside the how they come up with their guidelines on things if you go to any of the nice guidelines at the bottom there's examples of great practice and you can tap into them you can copy them and you can you can aspire to them and I don't see enough of that in the CQC's work I, I think it's I think it's not there yet in terms of pushing quality and I don't think this framework to me I don't think this framework is not telling me that the CQC is after my quality it's telling me that they're interested in compliance and enforcement and making sure that and it's a bit it's a, it's a bit like a policeman knocking on the door you feel guilty you know <laughs> not that you feel that you're a shining example of something I, I, I'm worried about that actually I don't I don't feel very comfortable with the direction of travel but I might be proved wrong, mightn't I? But um, we will be pushing within the industry very hard for quality. Um, what I'm hoping is that they can prove that what we are doing is is tangible to them and they can tell the world that we've done a really good job. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Great, thank you. Um, uh, Anthony, interested to hear your view on that, on that same question. Well, I think, I think for me, there's a sense of... Uh, of uh, responsibility here for for all of us um so you know i mean you know the conversations we have inside hc1 are we need to meet the regulator where they are and and i think that you know i we don't we don't have a model where we challenge the regulator we have a model where we try and work in partnership with them and it is what it is as far as that 
you know, I think we've all got opinions about, you know, CQC's approach. And for me, actually, there's a lot of the new approach, which is very similar to the, what it was in 2020, 2011, 2012, when I first was there. You know, some of it is coming back round a circle, as most things in health and social care do. Um, but I kind of think that, so we've got this approach, you know, it's it's going through its testing, it's gone out to various consultation, it's, it's evolving. Our responsibility is to make this work for the benefit of the residents. So we have to meet CQC where they are and, and, and they have to meet us where we are and we have to work together to make this work. So I, I'm, I'm very much trying to, you know, approach our approach from HC1 is around, well, let's turn this into an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to get this right and work with CQC and influence CQC and work in partnership with them for the benefit of our residents. So because I think we just have to get on with this. And I think we've all got a responsibility in that CQC have and all of us providers do. And I think that that's, you know, that's where we need to, to move to. And, you know, and so if you just take, like, for example, the data issue, well, you know, let's go to CQC and let's share our data, not just wait for what is what are you going to collect? How are you going to collect it? You know, I mean, as you know, Simon, we've actually just said here it is. You know, uh, this is will give you complete transparency. You know, I think there's ways that we need to evolve with our working with them to 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 make this work for the benefit of our resident. Um, you know, uh, and I think that's a responsibility for all of us. Thank you, Anthony. That's uh, that's great. Thank you, Rab. Interested to hear you, your view on that same question again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Anthony. I think the in, in response to the direct answer, the direct question, the direct answer would be yes. I think it will improve the quality of care. Um, you know, it's never told there's going to be teething issues. It's a huge change for the sector, for everyone involved. And I think when we're, uh, a huge change has taken place, it comes with risk. And because we work with people and people's lives, that can become a bit scary sometimes when going through such a change, i.e. the impact the rating can have on a service and the people in the service. You know, that's a big risk that we must have to experience and work through. Um, but I think that the change as a whole is positive because uh, you know at the core of it i can see the goal is to improve how we deliver care whether it's in people's own homes or in a, in a, in a residential setting whatever it may be a hospital i think that is the key purpose and although there's been lots of discussions today about the data aspect and remote monitoring there are other bits as well where the cqc are looking at a holistic approach to include feedback from the individual family members professionals staff members that's well documented and I think it does try to bring it together, although it's it's not gonna be easy and it probably will be a very difficult couple of years, I imagine until it gets fully embedded. But um, once we do get there, um, I feel positive that it will, I feel hopeful that it'll be for the better. Yeah, for sure. Great, thank you. Last question. Um, so, Looking at the set of circumstances where we where we are, we've, uh, I think it's uh, uh, it, it's important to, to to look at the opportunities that we can see from uh, as a result of the new inspection framework. So, Anthony, I'd like to come to you first as uh, as well. Uh, I know that you're a, a very pragmatic person. Uh, so, so through through the lens that you're looking at at the moment, what what are you seeing as the as the opportunities as a, as a result of the new inspection framework? So I think I think there's an opportunity to rebuild relationships that, you know, have broken down during the pandemic, I think, for all sorts of, you know, uh, you know uh, clear reasons. So I think but 
the opportunity for me is the partnership approach is that I've always had this approach that, you know, we need to work in partnership with our regulator, not against them. Um, and, and we, and I think, and that's for their benefit and for our benefit, but ultimately for the benefit of the resident. Um, and I think the opportunity here is to help shape the data agenda and help provide the context of how we work. There's an enormous opportunity here through the single assessment framework and CQC's approach to ensure that we are part of the integrated care model. You know, we, you know, social care is not an automatic significant voice in the integrated care world. And, and we need to be in that voice. And I think if we work with CQC in partnership about how people move within the system between health and social care and use our information with them and use the regulatory frameworks to work with that and CQC's role. And there was an article in the HSJ even this week about CQC's increased role in the ICS overview. If we work with them in that space, then we can actually ensure that residents actually move seamlessly between services, between health and social care. And that's all that matters. And, and you know, and I think that's the opportunity for me, Simon, is to get actual better seamless care for people. Brilliant. Thank you. Caroline, interested to hear your view there. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, there's this there's some strength in that joining things up and I looking at the fr the framework of their of the organization CQC sort of who's going to be who in each area they're going to a regional model with a slightly different setup in their own team. And I think if if that single framework, it works with the ICS. The, the big NHS, the big social care, the tiny provider within an area and they get to understand you know, where the pitfalls are in terms of hospital discharges for an area or the, the really practical things, then you can go, okay, this we and I statement, so we try to provide this service, we do this for people and I want this from this service. You can then go, okay, well, are you, are you meeting the we and I statements that you've made? Um, and if you're not, who's who's listening to it so one of the things that doesn't happen very well in lots of places with hospital discharges for example is if there's a very failed discharge it's not a great discharge and the communication is terrible there isn't almost any constructive way for a social care provider to feed back to the hospital service for example that there needs to be these feedback loops and that is that i think that's the, probably the best um outcome of some of this is that if we aren't having if we aren't having a good time between ourselves in terms of all these different services, then someone someone objective is a bit more accountable for highlighting that. And I think that's a huge opportunity for for progress, because unless you unless you make a relationship mandatory in some shape or form, it, it nobody nobody's going to act on it, um, particularly, you know, particularly things like NHS uh, rubbing shoulders with social care there are really big problems with that and so by pulling it together with a bit of luck and a fair wind and a lot of help from the CQC you might see that integrated systems of all these different providers does provide something better for the people that are using it um we can hope for that can't we I can see that I can see that that could be the intention and that it's, it's going to take some but they, it might just open some dialogue because people are being held to account in the big systems about how they react with the smaller the smaller providers, even the very fact that they might have to explain 
how they do that would be an advantage as far as I can see. Um, but we keep our fingers crossed. I am an optimist, but despite my negative comment. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. I really appreciate that. Rab, final words for us. Give us your uh, your your perspective on the on the opportunities for the new inspection framework. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I totally agree with the accountability comment. I think that would be really positive for all for all parties involved with individuals' care to be accountable because that doesn't always happen. And that transparency will be, will be beneficial, I think, to improve quality. Um, I think the joined up system is evident that that's what they're working towards to, to connect care, uh, care, to provide seamless care pathways across settings to improve how we deliver um, care to people. Um, so I think that's really positive. And finally, uh, greater use of technology. I can see that that's happening. And there's a push for that, which I think is going to benefit everybody in the long term. Although it might be a bit painful to begin with, <laughs> I think it'll definitely be beneficial long term. Sure. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Um, uh, a big thank you to all of my panellists today. I think the, the conversation's been great. I think the kind of the general summary is that I think we're, we're, we're all hopeful that the, the changes are going to be positive in time, but there's probably going to be some bumps in the road as we uh, as we transition from from one to the other. But uh, really, really great. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for sharing your insights today. And uh, yeah, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Thank you.